0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show—the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host Joyce Joya.
1: Hey,
2: welcome back, Googleization Nation. Time well, hello
0: again. Of <laughs> and
2: Googleization. Yeah, it's great to see you. Uh Joyce, uh hopefully uh you're in, you're now in the unfreezing state of Texas. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you got running water and heat and, and uh, getting back to the modern world, right?
0: <laughs> it's been a week. It's been a process. It, it, for it, sure.
2: Yeah, a lot a lot of things going on, but that's Googleization, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's vuca really more than, than that
0: yes it is Both definitely VUCA. complex
2: and ambiguous but it's good to see you uh, it's good and it's good uh, for everyone to be here we got a great show today we've got the Alcini, uh, and we're gonna be talking about people and brand alignment uh, it's only a topic we've been t- we talk about every week uh, and purpose about purpose culture, um, again, alignment has been a big word, pivots another word. We, we hope they don't become just buzzwords and, and that we throw out there. Um, but it's a, it's an extraordinarily important topic, and uh, so glad that Al is going to be joining us uh, in just a few minutes. Uh, a few other announcements that we've got. Uh, if you're not a member of Googleization Nation, please do. It's free. Uh, we, I just uh, started uh, doing our weekly newsletter. Again, uh, you can go to GoogleizationNation.com uh, and uh, just subscribe, and each week we'll get updates about the podcast, uh, any live streams, in fact, uh, which is a reminder, this Friday I'm doing uh, our monthly Job Shock Gordon Report uh, live stream with Ed Gordon. Uh, we're talking, uh, this week's topic is going to be mitigating the manufacturing jobs meltdown, and certainly a lot of transitions, uh, something that Ed's been working on for his, his lifetime. Um, but, uh, certainly more recently. And he has a new white paper that's coming out and he's, do, we're, we're, he's doing it in, in dribs and drabs. He's doing it because things happen so fast. Uh, and, uh, this week's or this month's topic just happens to be about manufacturing jobs. So we're really excited, uh, that he will be there. That's Friday, uh, at noon, Friday at noon. Um, and you can go to YouTube or my Facebook page and that will, uh, uh, again, you'll be able to, to be able to uh, it, or LinkedIn. That's what I'm trying Ed, to think.
0: And it always has such fascinating information. Yeah, he has got a lot His of stuff. data. I'm is just amazing.
2: Yeah, we're going to have a little bit more of a conversation, but uh, and we're, we're so if you're connected with me on LinkedIn Live or on LinkedIn, uh, you'll get a notice when we go live there. Uh, but you can subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com forward slash Ira Wolf. Uh, and you can also follow the Facebook page for Success Performance Solutions. So a lot of different ways you get there, or you can catch the replays in the same place. Uh, and then the final is uh, finally got our promotions ready for our Adaptability Quotient webinar. It's on March twenty fourth uh, at uh, eleven a.m. It's going to be right before we do our geeks, gees, and Googleization. So that should be fun. Uh, the uh...
0: and fascinating, by the way.
2: Yeah, it's an incredible topic. Uh, this week alone, uh, McKinsey uh, came out with like four or five reports that were talking about the post-pandemic world. And uh, a fascinating uh, kind of a cop- uh, few reports, white reports, videos that they released on education, uh, but also on jobs. And they predict, they were predicting, uh, We a lot of people were predicting for the last couple of years what job job loss? Uh, not necessarily that we're going to lose jobs, but a lot of the existing jobs, a lot of the workers sure, we had, they were going to lose their specific jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the post-pandemic, they they basically uh, elevated all their numbers by twenty-five percent. They're anticipating that twenty-five, up to twenty-five percent more people will be losing their jobs in this decade than they were before. Now there's a whole so- there's a whole venue, uh, or there's a whole uh, Uh, What I want to say um, introduction of new jobs, oh, creation was the word uh, of new jobs that are coming out. But the the different problem is people don't have the skill, or you have to talk about how people be more. Yes, there's a
0: misalignment to use your word, alignment, Ira between yeah. the jobs that we need people to fill and their skills, right?
1: Yeah.
2: And, and the biggest analogy we talked about before, um, you know, and this happened uh, 20 years ago. Uh, it, it, it's not the first time this has happened. Um, but uh, when uh, a lot of the, the automotive companies were Downsizing sales were off, they automated right. a lot. They, they, were, they right. were starting leaders in the automation and the robotics side. Uh, a lot of people lost their jobs, and they said, Great, we need healthcare workers. So, we'll take all the frontline production workers who <laughs> used to assemble vehicles and we're going to make them nice. nurses. And, uh, <laughs> and, can, and we're human beings, so we should <laughs> adapt to that. But a very, very different lifestyle from going to being a You know, basically working on machinery and manufacturing to uh, becoming a, uh, a nurse. Uh, the is
0: work. between working on things and people, right?
2: Oh, absolutely, a- absolutely. So um, we're at that that uh, precipice again, or or that tipping point again. is probably that, and we're so we're going to be talking about that on uh, fr- on uh, both on Friday with uh, Ed. Um, but more importantly, on how do we help people be more comfortable with uncertainty? With, with, um, with how, do they get, how do we help people get the courage and the confidence to change? Uh, which leads us into today's conversation, because you right. can't do that um, right. if Perfect. you don't walk the talk. Um, if a company is <laughs> not walking the talk, if they don't understand what it means, what a culture means, what the messaging is, uh, how do you how do you hire people that fit that culture? But how do you get people to adapt? Um, you know, it's include we get into diversity and inclusion. Uh, so many more conversations that you can have about that. So real excited today that we're going to have uh, Alcini because this is what he does for a living. And he has a really interesting tool kit uh, that goes along with that. So we're going to. Uh, so oh, we'll and so it's time here.
0: to introduce. It is. Al. Do you want yeah. to talk a little bit about Al, who Al is?
2: I'm going to let Al do his own intro. Al's got a, a pretty okay. background.
3: Um, he's <clears throat> kind of a marketing, and again, we're going okay. to You know, I, there is a kind of a soft boundary. Ira, first of all, thank you for inviting me to be on the program. And Joyce, it's a pleasure uh, meeting and working with you. Likewise. And uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to get out there with what we've discovered About uh, the importance of aligning people with the purpose of the organization, or the team, or the group that they're a member of, and uh, and we have an angle on that, and I'm happy to share that. I'm happy to share that with you guys and uh, and your audience. Well,
0: first, Al, first, Al, will you tell us a little bit about you and your background? I I have to tell you first
3: that
0: my background. I mean, I have an MBA with a, a concentration in marketing. Uh-huh. And yet I spent decades working in the HR field. Oh, great. And I bridged that gap with a concept that I call internal marketing, bonding with employees as valued customers. So I'm fascinated to hear more about your background and how you took the leap between marketing and HR as well.
3: Joyce, when I was a kid, And I mean, really, I mean, I went to graduate school and I have degrees and all that stuff. But what I really learned most from was growing up uh, with about a million other millennials on a small street in South Philadelphia. I grew up with about 85 or 90 other kids who grew up on the same block that I grew up on. And uh, and I have this special skill. I was no good at baseball or football or any of the games that we played, but I was great at getting all the kids in the neighborhood to come out and play those games. That was something I could do better than any other kid. So (laughs) I'd get 85 or 90 kids to wanna come out and play baseball. We'd form teams of 20 or 30. There'd be a bench with a couple of kids in it. I'd be the last one picked because I sucked at all those games, but uh, it was a core competency. There was a way that I I kinda had this weird gift of getting a a lot of people to wanna do something that they hadn't thought about doing that day. And uh, so I gave them a purpose. simple in a simple kind of a sense i kind of helped them discover a purpose that worked for them and then fast forward this i worked as a project manager at nbc universal and part of what i did was audience research and if you think about audience mm-hmm. research it's a, a broad i don't know if you remember must see tv in the 90s yes it was a formula for that nbc was really good at it and uh their question was how do we get 25 or 30 million people between the ages of 18 and 45 to show up in front of their television sets on a Thursday night at eight o'clock. And they had a formula for that. And what I'm discovering really is that the trick to motivating people has uh, very little to do with telling them what to do and more to do with showing them a fun thing to do and then inviting them to kind of join in. So culture, which is something most people- agree with you. And most people talk about culture is kind of like the weather. Uh, Culture actually is something you do. It's some actual steps you take.
2: So, Al, one of the things that when you and I, and again, we met through Jason uh, Cochran. Um, yeah, because, he's, he's um, listening in. From what yeah, I hear. yeah I'm, I, I'm sure he is. So. <laughs> uh, and I, so, And I know Joyce has uh, met, met him through here, and uh, we've had a lot of conversations. Uh, the One of the things that fascinated me when you and I first talked, and when I learned a little bit more about your BCAT, Matt, about this model, uh, was that you talk about a role model. You, you talk about that. Yeah. Uh, not you know we 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 all hear we need role models to follow um, whether it's an athlete or whether it's your parent or a mentor or a teacher whatever it is um, but you basically say the company should be
3: the the culture should be a role model. Am I am I correct? Am I of am the, the, the culture of any, what, what we found in our research, Ira, and I'm really glad you asked it exactly that way. What we found in our research is that when you get a team of or a group or um, association of people that are combined or united by a common purpose, and they're all focused on that purpose, they're all involved and engaged in that purpose, mm-hmm. a role model emerges from all that. There is a virtual imaginary person that represents that team or group or companies best self living its best day keeping all of its promises and achieving all of its goals when you when you start with this question and this is such a powerful question i'm we're giving it away it's the most amazing question anybody ever asked take everybody on your team or everybody in your company and ask them all this question think about the whole company as though it were a single person somebody that you could meet at a party think about all of us everything we do all the all the gifts we have all the wonderful things we do Think about all of us as though we were a single person doing our best work on our best day to keep all of our promises and achieve all of our goals. After you get that picture in your head, describe that person. What would that person be like? Would they be outgoing? Would they be introverted? Would they be brainy? Would they be sociable? In organizations that are aligned with their purpose, you get back from everybody the same description. (laughs) in organizations that are struggling you get back from everybody a different description usually a description of themselves so alignment for us is alignment with the role model that represents the ideal our personification when we're really connected with our purpose when we're really delivering the goods and to your point joyce the way we describe that person is internal marketing how we all see that person and when that person steps out in the world and communicates that's external marketing, that's who we are. That's what the outside world sees. And for yeah, me- it's I, really yeah.
0: it's really interesting that you're looking at alignment between the internal and the external because that's what my book is all about. It's called Experience Rules, How Positive Experiences Will Drive Profit into the Future. And it forecasts the rise of the CEXO who will be responsible for the alignment of all of the branding <laughs> Messaging and address all the stakeholder groups, hmm. not just customers and employees, which is what you're talking about, but all of the different stakeholder groups.
3: Everybody. So, I mean, yeah, the math for exactly. us is customer experience and employee experience are the same thing. They really are the same thing. And uh, you know, when you want to, I mean, they manifest differently, no question about that. But but the really really Obviously. great companies are the same company whether you're inside the company or outside the company. They feel the same. Yeah. Thing. That's what compels you the reason and this is a Pepsi generation idea the reason why people want to buy from you and the reason why people want to work for you is the same reason they want to buy from you and they want to work for you because they believe that will make them a better version of themselves that's the motivator. Mm. articulating that better better version of self is really the secret of aligning brand and culture.
2: So going back,
3: Alan, I know you and I talked about this um,
2: because we have some similar backgrounds and and we've worked with some similar providers. You know, one of the when I started this business, one of the early questions that I was introduced to was on a much smaller scale than talking about a single role model for culture. But if the job could talk when, when you're hiring people and everybody has a different version of how they do their work. What it takes to get the job done what are the characteristics and traits and abilities and knowledge that it takes and everybody has a a slightly different version but if you can say if you could ask the job what what would it be how would it describe itself and that's what you've done you've done it because now you have lots of jobs you have families of jobs and you have different departments and, and what the accounting department says is going to be way different than marketing and production and sales and finance and the, the executive suite uh, and how do you get all those to align so w- after you get these you have a hundred people and you got a hundred and four different versions right of this is there uh-huh. some people that aren't sure what's the next step I mean what what are you
3: doing to help kind of bring that to help a company with that yeah. uh, we did uh, we did a project uh, a couple of years ago for a pretty large amusement park park a pretty well-known amusement park uh, uh, actually a of a string of amusement parks all over the country and uh we started in the quality control group the quality control group at an amusement park has a very specific job their job is to make sure that nobody dies at the park that day they manage ride safety they mitigate risk they do very important things now the brochure of the amusement park doesn't say anything about come here and we promise you won't die today that's not the promise the amusement park makes (laughs) the quality control team The quality control team, though, does make that promise, but they make the promise to the amusement park. The the trick to making sure that people don't disappear into their silos is to make sure that everybody has a constellation of stars to follow as they're navigating in a company. The star for the quality control group is clearly, measure twice, cut once, don't make any mistakes. The star for the amusement park is, come here, you will have a wonderful time. No two days here are alike, you'll enjoy yourself. If you work for this company in the quality control team, then you have two stars you navigate by. One is your quality control star. That's the work you do. The other is the reason why you do that work. I do this work so that people who come to the park can enjoy themselves every time they come. That's why I do it. Connecting those two whys, where they intersect, is the secret to getting the quality control people not just engaged in quality control, but engaged in the work that the amusement park does. And what I enjoyed about that is at the end of that effort, five or six of 12 people in the risk mitigation team volunteered during the season to go out onto the field, leave their little cubicles, go out onto the field and interview attendees at the park to collect from them their experiences and what it was like to be there that day. And wow. and, and, and the people who own the park, the people who run the park said, you know, we've been trying to get these guys to do it for 10 years. But the problem is you can't get them to do it. But you can inspire them to do it, and they'll come up with that idea on their own as soon as you connect them with the purpose of it. And it's very gratifying work. Yeah, I mean, this it it
2: sounds so complicated, but then when you hear someone like yourself or a lot of other people say it, is connecting people's purpose. Um, you know, and this was I think this was it was Tom Peters or um, I, I, I think it was Tom Peters, and when he interviewed the mechanic. Uh, The mechanics on, uh, I think was at Southwest Airlines Hmm. and they said, what do you, you know, what do you do around here? And they asked a lot of people and they go, we fix the planes and, you know, we change the oil and what do you do on a day to day basis? And they gave you all these tasks and he, they met the one at Southwest and he said, we help people fly safely. And that was the connection. That was, that's that's, that, that's the connection. And that's what all those tasks allow people to do. So, um Connection I mean, to
3: purpose, that's very important.
2: Yeah, we've been talking about it a while, but it, it, again, you, you've got the messaging right. That's when you and I first talked, it was like, wow. I mean, it, there's a messaging here in the, in the fact that you are trying to, uh, you, you can make sense of that internal and external, um, you know, person um, and, and then create that uniform message.
3: When when you segment it that way, when you say things like there's an inside and there's an outside, and there are customers and there are employees, and you, when, as soon as you start categorizing people into different kind of categories, you lose sight of the fact that they're all people, and and uh, people at their core really operate much more simply than all the graduate schools have taught us to think. <laughs> so I mean, it, 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 there's a it's unfortunate that it's uh, that, that that it's apocryphal. It's not a true story, but there's an anecdote about. President Kennedy visiting the Kennedy Space Center before it was the Kennedy Space Center, Cape Canaveral, back in the early days of the space program. And he saw somebody mopping a floor and he asked him, what is it you do here? And he said, I'm helping to put a man on the moon by 1969. That's connection with purpose. When you're really connected with your purpose, everybody knows what the purpose is, even though they don't memorize it. They know why they're there, and they know it all the way up from the executive offices, all the way down to the people who answer the phones and and mop the floors.
2: You yeah, know, it's funny. It takes me back to my original life um, in dentistry, and yeah. remember. And again, we always, did, you know, when you talk to a physician, it was the mouth was just a passageway to the rest of the body. Yeah. They couldn't tell you <laughs> how many teeth there were, the names of teeth, what there were. All oh, yeah. I was it was just a doorway into the rest of the body. There you, you know, go. Exactly. Right. Well, in dentistry, I mean, you think, okay, it's about teeth and gums. How complicated can that be? Right. You know, 16 different specialties, subspecialties in dentistry? No,
0: I believe I didn't.
2: that. <laughs> and and take the gum part out, there's uh-huh. literally 15 just on the tooth. Alone. I mean, that's interesting. It's and what yeah. happens is everybody gets in their little micro world. They get these subspecialties and they forget that it's
3: attached, to, it's part of the human body. It's, part body of, uh, like that. Uh, you know, I don't want to get too glib, but you could probably say that about a proctologist, too. <laughs> <laughs> but that's true. but, but yeah, we, we won't go down that path. Thanks. No, but, I think that's Thanks that <laughs> but, but if the job of the dentist is to make the person sitting in the chair happy with the result that they get, when somebody goes to a dentist, they have a complaint or a pain, or they have an outcome they're looking for. And uh, you know the dentist's job is to bond with the outcome that the patient is looking for, not just to look at the teeth and the gums, but to try to understand what it is the patient's actually trying to accomplish by visiting them that day. Right. That's everybody in the office should be committed to that. And that really becomes a, a kind of a clear idea of what the purpose of dentistry is and, and without teaching it to anybody. And, and so you can take this to any role, I mean, I know people think, well, this is only for big
2: companies, or these are for, you know, oh, yeah, I can see where this oh, would fit no. in manufacturing, or I see where this might fit uh, in, in um, you know, in a distribution. But you can take it down to, I mean, dentists or small businesses, they're solo practitioners, Sure. Nope. Yeah, I mean, you can, th- this is transferable to any, any role. I, I know and, any,
0: and any kind of business, even small retail businesses don't forget or not restaurants, for restaurants or
3: not-for-profits because not-for-profits to, uh, to a large extent actually sure. need this more than for-profit companies do. Remembering why the organization was created in the first place. What were we put here for? All that gets buried under accounting, payroll. Uh, uh, there are so many day-to-day things that you could, that will cause you to lose sight of why you were put here. And reconnecting with that is a power to get If you want people to stop saying they hate their jobs. You got to get them to fall in love with them again right. and falling in love with your work is what this is all about.
2: And for all our HR friends and he was just a guest uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, a lot of time goes fl- pretty fast. But uh, Kevin uh, Grossman from the Talent Board. You know, basically, every you know, HR is focused on can, and, and especially the town board is focused on improving the candidate experience. How do we how do we hire the right people, which gets them into the culture? But how do we do all that? And he he clearly his clear message is no, there is not a single candidate on the planet that cares about your HR technology. <laughs> <laughs> they they, they that want is to so know I learn about your company and get a job. They don't care about the technology. What HR talks about is all the technology.
3: Uh, That's that's a low hanging fruit for them to a large extent. Connecting with people sometimes is harder. It's much easier to buy an HRIS or to implement implement a new database or, I mean, in a lot of ways, the widgets are easier to deal with than the whole machine. Uh, But it's the whole machine that gets the work done. Yeah, and so often- Okay, Joyce. Go
0: ahead, I was gonna say before we run out of time, you had mentioned something in passing, and that is BCAT, which is, it stands for Brand Culture Alignment Toolkit, uh-huh. right, Al? Yep, that's, that's correct. So will you tell us a little bit about what is in your Brand Culture Alignment Toolkit?
3: It's a, it's a three-step process choice, actually four steps if you count that question. Think about your whole company as over a single person doing its mm-hmm. best work on its best day. We start with that question, that's step zero, because that's fundamental. That's what gets everybody organized mentally around their purpose. Step one in our process is a survey, essentially almost like a disk inventory, except instead of describing yourself with it, we have the members of the company go online and describe this person that represents their organization's best self. That's step one. What we get back from that is the basis of a conversation we call step two. Everybody thinks this is who we are. And everybody is distributed around that thinking, uh, either broadly or narrowly. Now that we know that, let's talk to the leadership team and find out what it is we actually need. What is our intentional best self? Who are we when we really are doing our best work on our best day? Map all that on a little chart, show a gap. Step three is about what changes do we have to make on a day to day basis, each of us individually? What two or three things about myself can I change to be more like this role model that represents the best of our company? And everybody does that from the person who mops the floors all the way up to the person who runs the company. And everybody has improvements they can make, no matter what rank, no matter where they are in the company. You know, we talk about DE&I all the time, and I think diversity, equity, inclusiveness are important, but it's important to know what it is we're trying to engage people in before we give them all an opportunity to do that equally. And what I like about doing the work we do is that everybody gets a voice.
0: Right, and also, Al, You know, the frontline people have some fantastic ideas and so often they're never asked or if they volunteer, they're told, just go do your job. You know, I'm, I'm not asking you for your ideas. I just want you to go take care of what you're supposed to do. And we lose out, we as HR professionals and leaders of organizations lose out on these fantastic opportunities to hear all these great ideas that could save us money, save us time, uh, just make everything about our organizations better, and it never it it never happens because those wonderful ideas never get to see the They light never of get day.
3: surfaced. Those, I mean, the industry likes to call those best practices. But those best practices are in everybody's minds and hearts. All they're waiting for is the opportunity to freely and openly share them with everybody. And that's probably the most rewarding part of what we do. Yeah.
2: You know, and I guess the danger of um, best practices is it often sets a standard for mediocrity, uh, you know. <laughs> it it's out there. Well, you know, you know, I would I mean, say
0: it depends on those best practices, at right? Well, right now, Ira. Sure. I
2: think, again, I think it's how people apply them because it's, Al, I mean, the, the lights just clicked, they, they just went on, so thank you. Right. Um, because we, we talk about team, we talk about company alignment, we talk about the employee experience, we talk about all that. But there's so much conversation going on about DEI. And when I would, I think this is a, this would be a fascinating exercise for people to go through, is who is that role model? What does that role model look like for DEI. Mm-hmm. What is that? And then how would people describe that? And then for all the, I know we got a lot of people on here that are familiar with disc and are disc lovers, um, is you're familiar with the adapted, the, the primary style and the adapted style, the two different mm-hmm. styles. And the primary is who you, who, who, here's your hardwiring, here's who you are, here's how you operate on a, if, if, at, at when you're comfortable. And right. the adapted is, who do we need to be to do the job well? Who do we need right. to be to fit in? Where who, we're that chameleon? Right. Um, so if if you look at a company and they go, okay, here's all our values, here's all our here's our mission, here's everything we're trying to accomplish, and they show you know the group picture and you have different you know different genders, different ages, different colors, different races, different ethnicities. There's our image, but what's the role model? It's not. It can't be
3: all of those. That's it's that synergy. It's that composite of all of them, of all of those. And yet a kind of an evolved form of that, because I think what you just poked at is so critical. We're all going to adapt every day based on what we each individually think or the expectations we need to meet. We always do that. What we don't do from an organizational point of view is ever set the adaption point for everybody. It's very important that we all adapt, but it's also important that organizations set forth those expectations so that people can see what adaptations are best appreciated by this organization that I'm a member of. If I'm gonna change to do my work, I should be changing in a way that I know somebody is gonna recognize and thank me for. So the whole point of BCAT is to take all those separate adapted data points you get from DISC and merge them into one appropriate, this is what we all do around here, this is how we do things around here. And now now you've got people all adapting in one direction instead of in 35 or 40 different directions.
2: Amazing. And we can go on forever. We're, we're literally just took a very micro step on this journey. And uh, I, I know this will be a long journey with you, Al. Uh, and, and I appreciate the opportunity. And so I thank you for stopping by and, and and sharing that with everybody. How can people get a hold of you? How can they learn more about BCAT? Uh,
3: the easiest way to reach me uh, is by email, al.cini, at getbcat.com. Also, we have a website at getbcat.com and we have a toll-free number, 855-999-BCAT.
2: Okay. And we'll make sure that's all in the notes and when we write this up and and get this out there and we'll update the, the website as well. Al, uh it's a, it's a pleasure. Um, I did, have, fine, Ira. I, I did want to have Spanish eyes rolling in the background, but uh, we'll <laughs>
3: have to we'll have to get you a signed copy.
0: Thank you so much for being here.
3: For us. Thanks, Iris uh, Thanks, Joyce. Nice meeting you. Nice working with you. Both. You too. Take care.
0: Likewise.
2: Uh, great guy. Well, that was
0: very interesting.
2: Yeah, the the uh, the light bulb went on at the end when he brought in about DEI because there's so much conversation, and I think that would be just a fascinating conversation of of what would the what would the role model be? Who's that avatar for the organization uh, when you talk about DEI? And I can't imagine. You know that there 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 would not be diversity in all those responses. <laughs> so maybe, oh, not yes. so much, maybe not so much inclusivity and equity, but there definitely be diversity in the responses. Uh, Want to thank everybody again. Want to thank Al. He was a great great guest, great concept, great conversation, and I'm sure we will be continuing that. And and now all it, it's it's what I found fascinating is that as he's talking, we're, we're relating this back to what Jason said. Uh, with mm-hmm. Derek Winston had said just a few weeks ago, and Kevin,
0: Grossman, and Kevin right.
2: Grossman, yeah, it's all tying in. So there, we're sure. o- we obviously are starting to create that that synergy, that role model. Uh, we're trying to get the picture, and it's good to have a lot of uh, people like Al and, and Jason and and Derek and Kevin on you know in, in our court.
0: Um, and you know, yeah. Ira, it's so important to hire people who will fit into the culture. It's so important. Right. I I made that mistake when we were in Greensboro and we had our little company and we hired a young man to be our VP of marketing, such as it was. And he was from a large organization that had been in, that was, still is, I think in Greensboro, North Carolina. And what I did not realize, which I came to understand, is that once a person is accustomed to a large company Culture—it's a very different thing from a small company culture.
2: I talk about that all the time. When when and one of the things that we measure is people who um, are either mavericks, they're independents, or are they part of a team? And when we hire, when when a small company hires somebody from a large company, and they are one of the scales is, is reliance on a team is th- they may be used to saying well that's not my job that was marketing that was accounting that's sales that's manufacturing that's production that's support um and then all of a sudden you come in and go yeah you're all those hats you are all of those things there is no one to delegate this to <laughs> you yes. because of your expertise I go well, I never really did that before. I had somebody who did it for me. So it's it's fascinating. Hey, we want to make sure we bring our nice. our, our, um, our, our monthly guest on, uh, Mike Spermouli. We're going to wow. be talking about Clubhouse. Uh, but first, before we do that, hey, right. Mike, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have a short uh, commercial break. Stand we're by,
0: here. Mike,
2: coming please. Stand by. Uh, and Success Performance Solutions will be right back.
1: Imagine growing great employees and advancing emerging leaders with one small monthly investment. With the Ngomu app you can support your employees in career and personal development and health and wellness without spending a lot of effort to schedule and hold numerous training sessions. With the efficient app your employees will have access to dozens of coaches in groups and one-on-ones for whatever topic they need or want to work on anytime, anywhere picture the positive impact on your team by having access to over 80 coaches. Learn more at NGOMU.com today.
3: For
0: many people, the
3: bridge to the new normal is too far, too difficult, too scary. Waiting to get back to normal becomes a way of life filled with fear and despair. But wait. Why are those people who dare to travel to the new normal celebrating opportunity and growth? How can you get a piece of the action? The bridge between the past and the future, the status quo and the new normal is adaptability. You have a choice. Which side of the future do you want to land on? Will it be coping and surviving or growing and thriving? Adaptability Quotient is the new competitive edge.
2: Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization. Uh, Hopefully, you enjoyed uh, the new commercial. Uh, and uh, again, you saw at the end, uh, please sign up uh, for our webinar, uh, our adaptability webinar. Uh, we will have Ross Thornley from AQAI. Uh, we're going to have Heidi Spirgi from uh, Cornerstone On Demand. She's the Chief Strategy Officer, and adaptability is one of Cornerstone's um, themes this year. So, we're really excited about uh, having her. And uh, we're looking at a couple other uh, guests, uh, two other panelists that will be joining us. And we'll be talking about uh, adaptability. You can get that at bitly forward slash AQ March 24. We'll put that in, uh, we'll get that scrolling across the bottom. And um, for, we're gonna be talking uh, with Mike again uh, about Clubhouse. Uh, Clubhouse is still going strong. Uh, if you're not a member of Clubhouse, uh, you need to be invited. You need to be right now on an Apple device. Uh, so there are two two limitations to that. Uh, it's when it goes live, uh, it'll go to the other devices and uh, be a little easier to get into. Uh, if you need an invite, find somebody who's already on it and uh, have them invite you, and uh, you can get on the waiting list by going to joinclubhouse.com. Uh, Mike, welcome back.
1: Hey, great to be back. How are you doing, Michael? I
0: before we get into into the details on Clubhouse, I have okay. a question for you. Sure. Given that 80% of the installed base of phones, and actually it's more than 80% in the U.S., mm-hmm. are Android, not right. iPhones, do you think it was a smart thing for Clubhouse to start with the,
1: the Apple platform? Here are my thoughts, and I'm by no means an expert in this area. I think all apps tend to start on iPhone why that is, I have no idea. Uh, I think it's good that they are working out the kinks on the iOS platform before they roll it out to Android, because that's a different system with a lot less regulation and it doesn't seem to be hurting their adoption rate because people are just, you know, when I'm in clubhouse, I'll notice that they have bandwidth problems periodically, which means people are using it. So I'm sure they're working feverishly behind the scenes to get that Android app available because that opens up a whole new segment of users. Yeah, it's, it's yes. an
2: interesting question, Joyce, of why they, why they chose that. And I haven't heard that brought up. I know people are, are, are wondering when it's going to be on the, the Android, but uh, that's an interesting question. It might add to do with startup money. Well, I, I it, funded it. So. And
0: the reason I asked is that Ngomu is starting with Android hmm. and then possibly moving to iPhone.
2: Yeah, it might depend on the audience that they were trying to attract. And, uh, you know, I know Elon Musk and a number of other people are are avid users of Clubhouse. Uh, they like the platform and it could have been their preference. And, to, you know, it's a startup. so Never know. Right. So, but anyway, Mike. Uh, so, so
0: tell us,
1: Michael.
2: sort of what it is. Let's talk about uh, the next stage. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I've been on. I think we spoke last about a month or so ago, I believe. Correct? Mm-hmm. And where I was on Clubhouse a whopping two weeks. So now I've been on there uh, a whole month, which is, you know, like dog years or cat years <laughs> in the internet world.
2: In <laughs> the, the world, it is. Yeah, it is. I mean, it moves crap.
1: that fast. So you know, I, I'll back up by saying that, and I can vouch for this. I like very little in the world of social media. I am, I you know, and I'm. I'm not hesitant to say that, you know, the scope of my business doesn't really afford itself to be adaptable to Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn. And and I know people can do it. And Ira does a great job with it. It's just I, I don't want to put in that much work. I feel I'm like liking, there's a
0: however coming. Well, well, here's
1: the however. The however is Clubhouse and it is technically a social media based platform. But the ROI, compared to everything else I've used, and I've been around a while, I've been on the internet since the World Wide Web launched back in the early 90s, I have never been on a platform where I have been able to generate interest, and I actually got a deal or two potentially on the table right now in less than four weeks. That does not, for me, that has not happened through any other social media channel. And I think the reason for that is because you're able to niche out so tightly the group of people you want to connect with by going into these specific rooms, by offering information, helping where you can. And then you're really, it's almost like you're accelerating the whole process of social media. You know, they say post and write articles and videos to position yourself as an expert. Well, you can short circuit all that by getting in the clubhouse, getting into a room where your expertise is appreciated and being that expert. So now, instead of taking nine months, you know I, I've got a, a a couple of things percolating. hadn't closed yet, but again, at the acceleration rate compared to traditional social media, it's very promising.
2: So there's, and you're right, Mike. I mean, there's there's the opportunity to sell, and 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 again, it's it's old relationship management. There's there exactly. are some, there are some rooms that are strictly sales. People are pitching stuff from yep. the day you go in, and there's people and. That, that's what they like. And then there's other groups that go, I, you know, that's the last thing in the world that they want to be do is it, mm-hmm. to go into a room and be sold. They have, they need help. They have uh, an idea. They are concerned about the environment. They're concerned about education. They need a group of people to talk to. And we went from, let's have a meeting. I mean, this is in the course of a year we went from well why don't we schedule a meeting and then people say well i'm so busy and i'm booked out but i'll get back to you to let's connect on linkedin and we'll have a group and we'll have an asynchronous conversation um that somebody messages and three weeks later go oh I i sorry i've been away for so long but i finally found your message uh to zoom calls 24 7 where people are exhausted because when you're on video you have to you have a video but you have to get
1: dressed diary you see that's the thing you, you have to get dressed when you're on yeah. video otherwise yeah. you will get nasty grams from different Hello. platforms
2: that's why i only show from here up uh, <laughs> exactly. so uh, what's interesting about clubhouse it's audio and it's yes. synchronous
1: so you yes. go in
2: there you can and just again imagine going to a conference and is, and you know there's a there's 100 breakouts at the se- going on at the same time and you, you go, you walk into the room and you listen and you go, yeah, not interesting. It's, mm-hmm. it's not what I thought. And you, but it's uncomfortable to walk out. Is there somebody standing at the door, you know, trying to not make the door slam? Well, not to keep you in, but you know, they don't want those interruptions. You don't right. want to, you know, you don't want to be impolite to the, to the speaker and, and getting up and going out. Uh, so it, but with this, um you basically can enter a conversation listen for a few minutes if it's interesting you can stay you can get invited up to share your opinion uh in in m- many of these groups especially the smaller ones or ask a question right right yeah. so th- there there's this opportunity that oh so i can this is like zoom but i'm not on screen um i don't have to embarrass myself by dropping off the screen and everybody knows i'm gone I can just politely leave if I've got something to say. There's a process; you just don't blurt it out. You're invited onto the what they call the stage, but you're invited up to be part of that conversation. Uh, So it's fascinating. And there's, um, I was in a group just last night. I I don't do it, you know. Somebody said they were on there all day. I don't have any. No, I I don't do that. that. (laughs) But I, I was just, I was riding my bike, and I and I just. I saw something pop up as a message and you go, that looks interesting, it was about human resources Q&A. And I just clicked on it and popped in, super interesting group, a lot of conversations. Uh, and as part of that, I brought up something about, you know, what, what was HR leadership gonna be? I mean, you know, everybody talks about, similar to what we were talking about with Al, what's that avatar look like? And everybody talks mm-hmm. about, well, they should be this, they should be that, but what should it really be? what should HR leadership really be like? Uh, and I brought that up as a potential con, and they said, okay, you're in charge.
3: <laughs> so <I> actually <laughs> on Saturday
2: on Saturday at 2 p.m., I've got a room and it's oh. HR leadership oh. post-pandemic. I'll not have to be there. I'm not, you know, I'm not presenting. There's no, it, it's a conversation, an open conversation to anybody interesting is what should HR leadership look like? What should it be? How does it need Next to change? pandemic? What's the opportunity in there post-pandemic? And you know, there may be two people in there. I may be talking to myself. There could be hundreds <laughs> of people in there that we can that can contribute to that conversation. Um, and that's you know, that's what it is.
1: I'll be Thank there you. with you okay yeah now that i'm aware i'll i'll uh i'll keep an I eye know, out for real. that uh, okay. notification and, and pop in, in so there'll be at least three
2: yeah so what what else um i mean we've got just a couple minutes here left mike um what else um what else can you share with us what, what's some tips for for people
1: so, sure so you know one of the things that i first figured out and i think i mentioned this the last time was like oh i want to do a room don't even worry about doing a room i, I haven't i tried once i had no following I'm not interested in, in, you know, being a celebrity find rooms that are relevant to your interests. And, he, and it's not all about selling. I think I touched on this also the last time there are groups on spirituality and health and exercise and, and recovery support. There's something for everyone. I've had much better luck with the smaller rooms. And what I mean by smaller rooms is rooms that have maybe 15, sure. 20, 25 people because you get to talk. And you get to have a conversation like we're doing here you go into one of these mega rooms six seven eight hundred a thousand people you may get some good information and that may be what you're looking for but you're not going to get an opportunity to really build those relationships so i say find your niche start with the smaller rooms the second thing is don't be afraid to raise your hand virtually in the in the app so that they will bring you up on the stage and get involved like anything else you get into what you put out of it you sure you can go in there and and kind of sit in the background and glean insights, and that's fine. But that's not really going to help you build the relationships. What does that is the ability for you to then go and either offer some information on a particular topic that they're discussing or asking a question. And I'm down to one room in a specific market that I'm in. I don't. I think it could be overwhelming for people to get in there and be all over the place. And once you find where you can start getting some traction, tune out all the other noise. I, and it's not to say that I'll never go to other rooms, but for now, it's working with this one room, and it's great because I'm a night owl, and this room doesn't come online until around 11 p.m. So it was like made for me. There's truly something for everyone.
2: Yeah, and The other thing, just interesting, last night. I mean, you get out of your bubble. So you, yes. you you're you know, you're in your HR group and, and even in the HR groups that we follow, and I'm in a bunch of them, there tends to ends up being people who think similarly, they like that. And, we're, and not that this can't turn into that, but last night there were six, uh, maybe there were nine of us at one time on stage. And I would say five were from the US, but in different, completely different parts, in different roles and different jobs. We had somebody from Peru, somebody from Turkey, somebody from Japan, um, in the room. Everybody experiencing the same problems. We had a shared interest, but very varied, um, you know. Um, geography. Geography. Yeah. Uh, ethnicities, genders, uh, I and mean, we were represent, you know, it was really incredibly represented. So it's fun. Um, as always, we've blown through, uh, <laughs> you know, 48 minutes here. Uh, Mike, um, I'm, I'm sure we're beginning continuing this conversation about Clubhouse uh, or some other tech things. I know uh, you had a couple of tech tips on, on the first one. So uh, we, we have you the fourth uh, Wednesday of each month. Um, and uh, so hopefully, is you'll- that when
1: it is? I don't. I, I just get the email from Iris. Is you on tomorrow? I it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sure. So
2: uh, <laughs> unless you're traveling, and we get back to that world, uh, we'll see you again. Uh- let,
1: let me let me just throw this out there. If anyone has a specific tech question that they want me to address in a future episode, feel free to email me, Michael at Sprmuli.com. Very simple. It's my name, and Sprmuli is spelled S-P-R-E. M-U-L-L-I, and it's in the show notes, and you can find it on LinkedIn. And if you email me that, then I could go ahead and and have that uh, addressed in a future episode. Yeah,
2: Mike's the guy. If he doesn't know it, he'll find it. Yep. So, so again, thanks uh, very much, Mike. Thanks Uh,
1: for having me. Good to see you both, as always, and we'll see you next month.
2: Well, and you you and I will be talking soon. So.
1: All right, thanks.
2: Bye-bye. thanks
0: everyone well, another uh, very fast, uh, fast 50
2: minutes. yeah another one <laughs> under our belt uh so again uh you've been listening to geek Skeezers and Googleization. thank you for being part of Googleization nation if you haven't officially subscribed uh go right. to googleizationnation.com uh it's free and you'll get updates each week about the podcast uh you'll get updates about things like our live stream this friday uh with ed gordon job shock Uh, You will also get updates about the uh, webinars and different panels that we're going to be having. Uh, The next one is the AQ webinar, the Adaptability webinar, March 24th, 11 p.m. And you can go to bit.ly forward slash AQ March 24 to register. It is free, and there will be one SHRM credit uh, for that.
0: And please feel free to let us know if there are any guests you'd like us to have, or any comments that you have about the content that you've yep. experienced with us on geeks, geezers and Googleization. Yeah.
2: And if you can't make it, uh, every Wednesday at 1 PM, um, you can catch it on YouTube, Facebook, and almost every podcast platform that is out there. Right. So please subscribe, let us know how we're doing, rate us. And until next week, don't let the shift hit your plan. Hit your
0: plan. Bye all.